Welcome back to Fantasy Baseball Disrupted with a comma and an uppercase D. It is, I don't know, November 30th, 31st? No, it's December 1st, 2021. So um, I haven't uh, paid attention to Fantasy Baseball or Baseball uh, in a long time, and I I didn't um, even when... Basically, during the last two months, I would just set my lineup, but I didn't look for trends or whatever. Um, I did well this year um, going pitcher heavy. Um, I placed in the money in both my Yahoo leagues, but I switched over to uh, football just because I love football. Not fantasy football. I can't stand fantasy football, but uh, watching the Patriots and... um, and my uh, professional idol, Belichick. I say professional idol because I don't know what he is like as a person, but regardless of what you feel about him as a person, he provides so many lessons um, in how to use, uh, abuse, exploit, and take advantage of, and that's not cheat, um, but take advantage of every single uh, uh, inefficient inefficiency in the market, in the rules, in, um, in, um, in other people's, uh, just all the variables, how to take advantage of it. Okay. So, um, so I haven't been paying attention to who, what players this might apply to, but one thing Bill does is, um, or he's doing right now is he's, he's realizing that everyone is overvaluing or just valuing heavily really fast uh, speed everywhere, and that's extended to traditionally big guys, big strong positions like linebackers, who 20 years ago were Ray Lewis, not I don't know some thinner, faster guy who you know weighs 220 pounds. Um, and so you can run on those guys. So everyone's going lighter, faster, right? And it makes sense. Um, faster team defense, faster linebackers. They'll be able to compete with the um, passing game. Uh, that has exploded over the last 20 years, but especially the last 10. And um, and so Bill says, okay, well, I'm just going to get a big-ass offensive line. Uh, I'm going to get a fullback. I'm going to get two tight ends um, that can at least service as blockers, and I'm going to get a stable of running backs, and they're going to be big running backs uh, like Ramondre Stevenson, and they're just going to run right through you guys, and we're going to get extra yards because you guys are small, at the second level. So um, so what is he doing? He's identifying, and how can we use it in baseball? He's identifying the trend in the league um, and, and what, how that changes the opportunities uh, for your team's success, and he, and he adapts. Um, and you might think of Belichick as like really stubborn, set in his ways, um, not even close when it comes to strategy. Um, not only does he game plan for each team uh, that week, but um, every single year he changes up uh, the personnel he gets um, based on what I just said, based on you know what the league is doing and, and what opportunities that uh, opens up for you. Um, and he's you know, put together different teams, and, and that's that's been the result. That it's reflected that flexibility. So, how do we use that in baseball? Um, well, generally, we can just identify what's being overvalued. 
Um, but how do we identify what's going to be overvalued? And here is where you have an advantage. You're going up against just regular people. Belichick's going up against, in theory, the smartest football people um, in, in the world, right? Uh, you're just going up against your average Yahoo player, your average CBS, you know, whatever player. And if you're in some competitive leagues, um, then, then, then you're more in Bill's situation. But if you're just going up against the regular public, you don't even have to be good to get an advantage. You just have to do a couple of, a couple of things. So how do we identify what the general public, who's very easily uh, influenced, just look at the stock market, what they're going to do, what they're going to overvalue. Read, 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 read. Because what you're reading is, and listening to, you know, podcasts, read and listen to podcasts. What you're reading and consuming, anyway, um, all together, is you're going to get a good pulse for the themes um, and the major messages that are being sent out there um, uh, multiple times to regular players. Um, and then, so if people say, if everyone says, oh, got to go pitcher heavy, got to go starting pitcher heavy, if it's not just, you know, me and Scott White and a couple other people, then, then uh, starting pitching is actually going to be overvalued, okay? Uh, or it certainly has the opportunity to be overvalued. Um, if people are dropping, um, if there are a lot of articles talking about, well, you know, availability is the best ability and uh, I'm dropping uh, what's his face the guy with the Tatis Jr. I'm dropping him down to the second round because while he might be the best player in Roto or he might just be the best player in points all around per game um, I don't I only think you know if I'm I'm saying the author of the article might be saying I only think he's going to play 120 games so that's incredibly valuable those 120 games but he's a second rounder to me like if people start if they become like general consensus themes of what to do in your draft, go the opposite way and assume that if you see it enough, if you see it frequently, uh, said frequently enough at, from different sources, that people are uh, going to take advice, take that advice and, uh, and go get it, uh, go do that, execute it, thereby um, driving the price up because, you know, people, uh, they might set out to draft a guy in the second round. Um, but if they, you know, if that position is starting to go really quickly and they might reach in the first, you know, if four starting pitchers go, let people, teams individually get the best players. You're putting together a team. So if, if seven starting pitchers go in the first round, relax. Okay. Do not overpay for a starting pitcher. Um, that's a sign that they're being overvalued. And remember, all seven of those starting pitchers, presumably, unless you're in a where you can trade draft picks, a league where you can trade draft picks, all seven of those starting pitchers um, are going to separate teams. So nobody has two. Okay, nobody has two of them. And by the way, um, they now have um, um, uh, no no you know round one caliber hitter, uh, depending on how deep. Um, you know, the hitting is, and they've used a very valuable resource and they're getting a worse draft pick if it's snake in the next round. So, uh, your pitcher is probably going to be better than their hitter. You don't have to follow that logic. That's fine. Let people overpay. Don't say, Oh shit, seven are gone. I got to get an ace. Now I'm going to go, um, I'm going to draft. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Who's like, uh, 
who's like 30th. I'm going to draft, uh, who's a guy from the uh, Blue Jays? That was right. Alec Manoa. I'm going to draft him with the, you know, 15th pick, third pick in the second round. You know, like, don't reach. Identi- don't, don't go with the crowd. Let people overvalue and act on, on that uh, over-evaluation. Um, and that's a big, that's the second part of uh, the plan. One, identifying what's going to be overvalued. You can predict that pretty easily. It's just human behavior. Um, and two, executing your plan. The discipline to execute your plan and say, it's fine if I wait until the third round um, to get a starting pitcher, even if I feel like I'm going to be picking in the uh, 20s, like the, you know, that'll never happen, but the 23rd best starting pitcher or whatever in the third round. That's fine. Let them do it. Um, You just want, try to keep in mind, like, they're getting a certain amount of production, and while it is rare, starting pitching, if it's being talked about got to go get starting pitchers real early um their production per their cost uh will now not be as high as your average player uh player's production per cost you're putting together a team um if you had a team of you know b to b plus players um not b to b plus fantasy but b to b plus uh, just baseball players, you might you might win that and never have a, anyone who's worthy of a first or even a second rounder. I mean, if you had a whole team full of third rounders, I, you would unquestionably be the best team in the league. Like that's, so we know that like, you know, B plus, a team full of B plus, A minus players don't need any A plus winners, players to win. Um, so just remember you don't forget about the top of your of your um cream of the crop of your team that's what bill does that's another lesson uh, that bill does he basically has no deficiency in any particular area that can be exploited and um so you know like okay 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 let me put it this way here's something that's not talked about a lot he never has a number one receiver. And I think a large part of that, well, I don't want to say never, but, you know, Moss. Um, he doesn't invest in the Randy Mosses or the, you know, Kenny Galladay's. Bill never has, and I think the, well, I don't know if this is why he does it, but the benefit of never having, okay, okay, let me go back. So wide receivers have become really, really valuable. Maybe the second most valuable position, right? Uh, I don't know about valuable, but valued. Second most valuable position, uh, aside from quarterback, uh, you know, maybe, you know, Russia, people who edge rushers or whatever. Uh, but so you $18 million for one player. So it's just a general idea of putting your eggs in one basket. So because of that, though, because um, explosive plays are obviously uh, more valuable than five little dink and dunk plays, or at least more valued, um, and one player like Tyree Kill can basically create that probably with any quarterback, but paired with Patrick Mahomes, it's lethal. That has made cornerbacks, shut down cor- man cornerbacks mostly, really, really, really valuable, like almost as valuable um, as, as, um, as the receivers that they're covering. Um, probably right around the same price, actually, $16, 20000000 million. So, um, well, Bill is going to get a shutdown corner, 
and he almost always has one when he wins a championship. Um, because everyone in the league is trying to get that explosive, fast playmaker who can catch 50-50 balls if he has to. Um, but he's not getting that number one receiver. Why? Because that's $18 million worth of your salary cap in a game that could be shut down by just one other player, um, a, a defensive back. Um, a, a Stephon, let's say a, a Stephon Gilmore. I, I don't really know too many of them, but let's say Stephon Gilmore at his peak, Defensive Player of the Year, is on a different team. And you have, and he's got to pick between guarding Kendrick Bourne, uh, Nelson Aguilar, uh, Jacoby Myers, and Nikhil Harry. All, you could say Kendrick Bourne is a B-plus player now, but all kind of B and C receivers. Well, He's like, well, shit, I I don't know, should I guard Hunter Henry? He's pretty good. It's a fucking waste for the Panther or whoever, for the other team, to put their $18 million lockdown defensive player on the year on, what, Nelson Aguilar? Kendrick Bourne? So they've they've put all of their uh, resources into that defensive, um, defensive back, that cornerback, who is a lockdown corner and would be really valuable if he could take out a Randy Moss type. But you don't have a Randy Moss type. And so you force um, you force Stephon Gilmore uh, to use his expert skills on a B minus C plus type of receiver, thereby uh, wasting um, the other team's resources. It's an it's overkill. Right, you could you could get a ten million dollar corner to cover Nelson Aguilar. You'd be fine, but you're now they're spending an eighteen million dollar one. Um, and so you know that general principle. How does that relate um, to fantasy uh, baseball? Basically, it, it's it's and it's a little different because unless you're going head to head, and it's not categories. It's just you get a win or a loss. But those are rare and kind of suck leagues. Um, but it, it's it's identifying, um, to speak more generally, it's identifying where someone has, like if they have a ton of starting pitching, and you got to be able to have a flexible roster for this. If you're going up head-to-head against someone and they have a ton of starting pitching, like you have good starting pitchers, but you, you, they're going to annihilate you. Annihilate you, okay? Give up on wins, total uh wins strikeouts and um and possibly uh er no just wins strikeouts and yeah wins just give up that week even if you have six starting pitchers consider dropping one of your starting pitchers even if you have a top 50 pitcher as your sixth starting pitcher consider dropping them in two bats okay to to then pick up three guys that week and allocate your resources um in a more efficient way don't have your six really good starting pitchers go up against, you know, seven aces. Like, like, just don't do it. Try to go after heavy after saves and whip an ERA that particular week. Or if it's stolen bases uh, and another category uh, that you could very much increase your chances of winning, you know, Pick up three three bench bats where you can plug in guys who uh, steal bases at a high clip when when someone else isn't playing or on off days. Um, just make it efficient. It's not efficient in that situation to have your six 
good starting pitchers to go up against seven aces. It's just, it's a waste of resources. Um, and to that end, don't have six good starting pitchers. Probably just have five good starting pitchers and always have one, um, one spot on your roster in every position group uh, be good enough to drop. Meaning, have your sixth starting pitcher that's interchangeable. Don't have it be good enough that you, you can't drop him. If he's a top 60 even starting pitcher, you're going to be like, I don't really want to drop him. But you're going to be better off dropping him and getting something um, on a week-to-week basis that matches up well and better with your particular opponent that week. If you have four closers um, and your fourth closer, that's a very limited resource. So if your fourth closer is excellent, you don't do it. But don't have an excellent fourth closer. Have a bullshit Wade Davis type fourth closer so that you can feel okay dropping them if you're going up against a guy with one closer or no closers that you can feel comfortable dropping that fourth closer um, because you know you're going to win um, just miss my exit because you know you're going to win um, saves that week uh, but you need help with I don't know, runs. You need, you need some leadoff hitters. That week, you drop your fourth closer. Don't worry about it. Um, pick up, uh, you know, an underrated leadoff hitter for, for a team that's on the waiver wire. Um, and, and that's what you got to do. Really, when it comes down to it, there's no global way to talk about fantasy baseball. It becomes a really broad statement like, use all of your resources to your advantage. But if there's, if there's one kind of broad strokes thing here um, to talk about uh, when it comes to what Belichick does that you can, that you can do, it's game plan week to week um, against your opponent. Why would you just roll out? Why would you not scout? I always scout the next team, and I estimate, I look at their past weeks and see, you know, how many saves they've been getting, or just look at their team and estimate what they're going to get, and how many closers they have. Do they make a lot of moves? Do they drop closers? Or is what they have right now pretty much what I'm going to see all week against them? Uh, Do they have guys who are in a slump? Do they have a lot of stolen bases? Where are they strong? Where are they weak? And if they dominate me in a category, I'm not going to make up for it. I'm not going to be able to make up for it, even if I get four different guys off the waiver wire and focus them all in that category. So I give up that category, and I let them waste all of their, you know, their second, fifth, and sixth round draft pick guys who have, you know, primarily stolen base guys, you know, I let him waste those, those, that high uh, priced, those high priced resources to get one category. And I give up on my, uh, the stolen base category and I go hard after the other ones. Um, because I just find out wherever, you know, they have overkill and I find out wherever I have overkill. And if I can shed some fat on some of those weeks. Um, so, I don't know, man. Just read articles about what Bill does right. Uh, even if you hate the guy, what Belichick, how he takes advantage of uh, his, his, all the rules and the undervalued skills and players and stuff. And then you'll start to think like him. Um, and then you'll start to see examples of that in uh, fantasy baseball. There it is.
This episode of Fantasy Baseball Disrupted is brought to you by our sponsor, your local no-kill shelter. Please donate and adopt.